joining us here. A um, few things just to get started. Um, I don't know if you realize that uh, someone told me, I think Megan pointed it out to me, but uh, the month of August, if, if you didn't know, it was unofficially a bring your look-alike sibling to church month. And so, uh, so last week I saw this guy that looked totally like Jacob, and I was like, oh, Jacob kind of cleaned up his hair, he got, you know, and, uh, <laughs> looking pretty dapper this morning, and uh, his hair's a little longer than I remembered it earlier, and found out it was Brother Marco there, so <laughs> welcome, Marco. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, but anyways, uh, another fun thing we have going on, some of you know, we have the uh, the big uh, preseason football game today happening just down the street, yeah, and uh, we do. I, I extended a warm welcome to uh, to our brother Steve here. There's a we have a couple people in the firehouse that are actually Bears fans, you know. And so, uh, but uh, but in Christ we all love one another. And so, uh, but uh, anyways, I invited Steve to join us as well. Here's another uh, another guy actually up to see the game from Albuquerque. So if you guys get a chance, say hi to him. There you go. It's Steve. So, so anyways, but uh, we'll go ahead and pray. Before we get started here, um, let me set, uh, see if I get our screen to the right setup here, or am I looking get that? Okay. We'll go ahead. If you guys would just bow your heads with me, and we'll pray real quick. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for giving us life today. God, we um, thank you that uh, we can worship you together here. And God, I pray that you would open up each one of our hearts to hear from you. Lord, we're going to look at your words, Lord, and your thoughts from the Bible. And I pray that we would hear them, we would understand, and we would respond to them. Lord, I pray that you would spur us on to do those things that would please you. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to grow in our faith, um, regardless of where we are in our journey of following you and or getting to know you even. God, we just ask you to show up this morning in amazing ways, in powerful ways. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So the day was, uh, it was July 31st, the year was 1976, and the location was up near Estes Park, Colorado. And that day it had been raining, um, it eventually turned into a violent rainstorm. There were areas up there that received uh, their entire year supply of rainfall in a matter of a few hours. Uh, over 10 inches in some places. By the time it was done, it had sent a wall of water rampaging down through um, uh, the Big Thompson Valley there, and it was destroying everything in its path. It destroyed 418 homes, and it took the lives of 144 people. It is known as the largest natural disaster to have ever hit Colorado. And this morning we're going to look at a few similarities to this flood. And we're going to look at some spiritual truths and realities that are not too different than a flood like this. And we're going to look at them in light of a question. The question that that we have today, the question we're going to address is this one. Why do Christians have to share about Jesus? You might tack on to that. Why can't they just keep it to themselves like so many other religions? 
It's a question I've heard before, and maybe you've heard the same thing, and maybe you've even asked that question. I remember uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, I shared last week that one of the things that was a part of the equation that God got my attention was this this girlfriend that I had that I thought maybe she was the one. She broke up with me. She broke my heart. And through a series of events, I eventually came to realize that... um, and God was trying to get my attention. I needed to look to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I did. But after becoming a Christian, I also had this hope in the, in the back of my heart that maybe God would restore that relationship to me. That girlfriend that I had, that maybe after she got back from her studying and hungry and she made it back to college, that, that He would just bring us back together. And, and I wondered about that. Um, but when she came back and we began kind of just relating a little bit, um, I just realized that that God had made me a new person and He had given me a new life. And there was a time where I was wondering, you know, I thought, you know, I think there's a chance to start this thing back up. Um, But I remember another friend in the church that I was going to and she was uh, coming out of a similar situation and she said, she was talking to one of the pastors and he just asked her the question, is this relationship a God-centered or is it self-centered? And she passed that question on to me as I was just talking to her and and I asked myself, that, is this relationship I'm thinking about here, is it God-centered or self-centered? And immediately it was just like this epiphany. It was entirely self-centered. It was about me getting my needs met emotionally and relationally. and um, It had nothing to do with being centered about God. As a matter of fact, when it came to God, we often argued. And it turned into quite some serious, emotionally angry arguments. And I remember one time that after this whole thing, I was wondering, is this coming back together or what? We started arguing again about God. And I was just like, oh no, here it goes again. And I just, uh, I broke down in tears. And I had never done that before in my relationship with a girl, or hardly ever in my life. And I was in tears and I was just going, you know what? That's not me. That's an old person. I I don't argue for Christ anymore. I've got a new life. And, um, and, I just remember that being kind of a, a watershed moment. And later on, as I kept in touch with this person, um, she asked me the question once. She said, you know, why do Christians have to share about Jesus? Even specifically, why do you have to share about Jesus? And you know, uh, my habit of relating to this person was, oh, I'll tell you, you know, I'll get into an argument, I'll give you... But I decided to hold my tongue. That was about a first as well. Um, and I decided to think about it. And I remember hearing some teaching on the radio that was talking about, or maybe I read some, it was talking about using word pictures. That you use a word picture and you take spiritual truth and, and you can frame it in a way that speaks into someone's world. You know, Jesus spoke to fishermen and he used things that would relate to fishermen. And he talked about things related to the harvest and, and things that would understand the agricultural world. And I thought, maybe... I can do that with my friends. He's wondering, why do Christians have to share? And I had, well, I had a list of reasons why, and I was impassioned about it, but I thought, maybe I'll stop and ask God, God, help me give a word picture tour of why. And so I started thinking and praying, and I feel like God gave me a little word picture that gave her just one reason why. And since then, I've thought about it, I feel like God's added to it. And I'm just waiting to talk to her again sometime here. But Noah, Noah the one that he gave me was initially was this, this girl was a, a rafting guide. Uh, how many of you ever rafted in Colorado before? Uh, anyone been on the Arkansas River before? Was she guided on the Arkansas? How about the Poudre River? Anyone raft on the Poudre? That is not quite as uh, exhilarating. But uh, it's, uh, anyone ever raft on the Flat River? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. 
don't, you don't need a guide for that one. It's just at your own risk. Um, but, but anyways, I remember going, okay, how can I take this idea of rafting? Then I also, in the back of my mind, was thinking about, you know, Colorado's had some serious floods along the way. Big Thompson flood. There was one that actually came through Denver back in 1933 that uh, was a result of a dam that broke uh, during a, a huge rainstorm. And so I started thinking, okay, let's try to put this little word picture together here. Why do we have to share? And, and I tried to explain to her, imagine if you're guiding, a, you know, on, a, on one of these rivers here and... Uh, if you've ever been on an officially guided tour, what they do, they kind of talk you through different milestones along the way, and they say there's different names of different rocks and things. And I said, imagine there's this one rock, you're giving this tour, and there's this rock that's up off the river there, and it's this big square-shaped rock, and it kind of looks like some sort of altar. They call it altar rock. And you've heard the story about the rock, and it was a story about years back when um, there was a flood in this canyon, and there was a dam at the top of the canyon. And um, there was a guy that saw, saw the situation develop, and he saw that the flood was going to break the dam, and it was going to rush through this canyon and destroy the villages in the path and the people there. And, and so this guy decided to take off on his horse down the canyon, and he just started riding and uh, warning all the people, hey, the dam's going to break, there's a flood coming, get to high ground. And eventually, as he kept going, he warned many people, but the raging river eventually caught up to him, and it was right there by this altar rock. And, and I told her, um, you know, would you, would you feel bad? Would you think you would offend people if you told them the story about a guy like that? And she said, no, no, I, I don't think so. And I said, would you share with people that? Yeah, I'd tell them about that. And I went on to say, you know, really, with Jesus, uh, something similar, but he, even greater. You know, he, he had a, a sacrificial act of love that was not pretend, it wasn't just some made-up story, but he really did give his life to save many. Uh, the verse I think of related to that is this one um, in Romans 5.8. It just says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, um, you know, in the context of this passage, it says, hey, for a good person, someone might die for you. But then it goes on to say, but we were still sinners, and Christ died for us. Can you imagine this guy riding through uh, the canyon where he knew the people in that canyon hated him? Maybe some family feud or something, but they hated him, and he rode through to warn them, and he gave his life, and many of them were spared. Something like, Jesus did something like that, but even greater. It's the greatest act of sacrificial love this planet has ever known. And I, you know, my question in response to this question is, how can we not share about Jesus? How can we not share about His sacrificial act of love? Well, since then I've gone on to think about some of these um, you know, what are some other facets of why we can share? I shared that with the girl, and it made sense to her, and, you know, um, we didn't argue, and I think I felt like that was just a little blip of life that she goes, ah, oh, I get that a little bit. Um, but since then, I've went on to, gone on to think, you know, well, what's some other reasons that I would share? You know, even based off of this little word picture of the canyon flood. And, you know, one of the other reasons that I feel compelled to share about Jesus, and I, and I think we all should as Christians, but really, in that idea of the, the flood coming through the canyon and the guy warning them, I'm kind of like one of the people who was in the village who heeded the warning, and I got to high ground, and my life has been saved. And, and more than that, 
coming to, calling out to Jesus as my Savior, He has radically transformed my life. My life was spared the punishment that I deserve, the punishment that is racing toward us like a flood. But um, not only that, he, he changed me, and I shared about that last week. I had issues, um, you know, from high school and college. I was enslaved to some secrets, and I had some hurts and some wounds that caused some habits, like uh, trying to numb things with alcohol, trying to uh, distract myself with relationships, shallow, self-centered relationships. Um, I had a fear, you know, that my secret would get out to some of my friends. I had to keep it to myself. There's places I could go in my friendships, but I couldn't go there. It was like chains. Um, And I also had a fear in the back of my mind that was a growing fear that if I died, that, that, you know, sometime that caught me by surprise, I would likely not go to heaven. And, but coming to Christ and and calling out to Him, you know... um, he, he gave me a new life. Like I said, He took away my struggles with alcohol. He took away my struggles with lust. He um, made me a new person, a new creation. He gave me new relationships. Instead of self-centered relationships with women where uh, I treated them disrespectfully, um, He gave me brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and the common denominator being uh, uh, our faith in Jesus Christ. But that you relate with honor and with respect. And He gave me these sisters and women that I started caring for and not thinking about myself related to them, but even thinking about how can I protect these women from those in this world who would have uh, ulterior motives? How can I protect my sisters? And eventually, um, God gave me a... Gave me a woman to marry that was beyond what I ever thought I would have. The girls that I dated, the relationships that I had, you know, if I just thought, well, marriage would be something like that. God gave me a woman and a marriage and a family that was orders of magnitude beyond what I could have ever imagined. And, and uh, He gave me, I had a fear about what, dying, but you know when I called out to Christ as my Lord and Savior, He changed that fear and He gave me a confidence. Um, and by the time it's all done, you know, I think about... I'm one of those that he saved, and, and how can I not share about Jesus? In some ways, I feel like, because um, I'm one of those he saved, in some ways I feel like this, this verse from the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, If I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in, me, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. How can I not share about Jesus Christ? And Christians, how can we not share? Has He saved you? Has He changed your life? How can we not share about Jesus? The next point, um, we think about it again. Imagine that analogy of this, this canyon flood. And, except in this time, imagine you're the one. Who, who sees all the pieces of the puzzle coming together, the heavy rains, and you happen to be up by the dam that, that's holding the lake back, and you're starting to see this dam is going to break. And, and you have a choice. You can go, wow, you know, I have enough time to just get out of the way, and I'll be fine, or I can take a risk, and I can start riding through this canyon warning people. What would you do? And what do you think God would want you to do? You know, in a lot of ways, our... our our calling, our assignment as Christians is very similar to that. You know, and um, we know some things that are going to happen. We know some spiritual truths and some realities that will soon take place. And, um, and what are we going to do about it? You know, I think 
the point here, one of the reasons why we have to share is, is because Jesus is really coming back. He really is. Every now and again I get this just this sense of like, it's so really true. You know, I know it's true in my head and my heart, but sometimes I just have this, I've woken up at night and I just go, oh, it's really true. It's really going to happen, just like the Bible says. And in some ways, it's good and bad. You know, the verse here says, uh, Romans 14.11, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will confess to God. Other places it says, every tongue will confess to God. Uh, Philippians kind of echoes that same thing. It says, Therefore God exalted Him, talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Men and women, there's going to be a time where Jesus comes back. And He will come back as our Maker and the Lord of heaven and earth. And everyone will acknowledge. It says every knee will bow and everyone will acknowledge Jesus is the Lord. But you know, I think there's going to be two realities that begin to set in at that time. Two very different realities. And one is going to be for those that receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they'll go, Jesus really is Lord. It's real. It's true. I knew it. And there begins to be a joy that starts to flood you, an inexpressible joy that will flood you forever, for all of eternity. The other reality that will begin to set in is those who say, Jesus is Lord. Oh no, no, no. And a reality will begin to set in that will dread them for eternity. And He's really coming back, folks. It's very real. And we know this. Just like the idea if we knew a dam was going to break and it's going to flood. You know, um, the other thing we need to know is that it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. One way or another, it's going to be soon. We see the signs of the times, and Jesus said, here's what it's going to be like when I come back. I think of uh, Matthew 27, where Jesus was speaking about His return, and He said this, The arrival of the Son of Man will take place in times like Noah's. Before the great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual, having a good time right up to the day Noah boarded the ark. They knew nothing until the flood hit and swept everything away going to come like a surprise. It's going to catch people by surprise. The other thing I think about is that it's going to be soon, one way or another, that we will appear before the Lord. It's either going to be that He returns in our generation, or it's going to be that in a few short years we appear before Him because our life is done. Recently I was reading just in, in my devotion time, and I came across Psalm 39 that put it like this. 39.4, it says, Lord... Help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here for but a moment more. You're here for but a moment more compared to eternity, men and women. In one way or another, we have got to realize that that day that we will appear before our Maker is racing towards us like a flood. How can we not share about Jesus, men and women? How can we not knowing what we know. The last point here, as if we need another point, so there's, how can we not share about His act of sacrificial love? How can we not share about how He has saved us? How can we not share? 
the reality of what's going to happen. The last, the last question here, the last point is, honestly, if I had to pick one out of the four points to share, if I only could pick one, this would probably be the one I pick. And the other ones are pretty good. Um, as far as God's Word goes and truth, I mean, they're all true, but if I had to pick one or one verse, this is the one I think I'd, I'd pick. I remember I was out on campus, um, it might have even been last semester, last year, and um, we were trying to do some preaching, uh, you know, trying to just share with Jesus out publicly on the flagpole. We had, I think we might have had a table uh, where we were answering some questions. But I remember just preaching, and there were only a few people listening. But at one point, this girl came up to me, and she stopped me. And, and she was kind of offended. And she basically told me, why are you doing this? Why are you out here in public telling people about Jesus? I can't believe it. And she came to share. She was a Christian. And she was just offended that anyone would get out like that. And you know what I shared with her? I I shared this verse with her. Well, one, the point, the reason why we get out, if we only had one, is because Jesus said to. He said to his followers, get out and tell them about me, the good news about me. The verse I shared with her was this one from... Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus was speaking to His disciples and He said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And I said, Jesus called us to get out and and tell people about Him. Jesus could have said, Hey, look, here, disciples, here's what I want you to do. A few of you, let's divide you in half. We got 12 once they added. Well, they had 11 at that time. But um, we'll have half of you go sit by the empty tomb. And if anyone from anywhere on the planet comes to the empty tomb, you tell them what I did. And the other half of you go up by the cross. And just if anyone comes up there that way, they come in your neck of the woods, well, you just got to tell them. Tell them what happened. And, um, but he didn't say that. He said, go. He said, pursue, initiate, go after. Take it to their turf, is what he said. I love Tom Short in his ministry. He, he's put out these little wristbands that, that say, taking it to their turf. You know, Jesus is the one that said to do that. Christians didn't decide, hey, how can we go be annoying and frustrate people? And, you know, no, Jesus said, hey, get the news, this good news out to the whole world. Every person on the planet has got to hear this. He didn't, he could have said, hey, why don't you just sit in your church, wait till people show up. If they show up, oh, go get them, you know, nail them. But no, he said, take this good news to the whole world. Warn them the bad news. Warn them about the bad news and the reality of the coming judgment. But give them the good news about Jesus and, and what I've done for them. And, um, and so uh, I, I was sharing this with this girl, but she, she just was not, she was not happy. She was not getting it. But um, another verse I think of is uh, another time a person told me, well, hey, they came to one of our events at the firehouse, and it was kind of a midweek teaching, and we were just teaching through the Bible. And afterwards, this person came up to me and they said, uh, you know, I kind of think you guys take what Jesus said a little too personally. And uh, I was kind of like, yeah? You know, uh, I think you're on to something there. She was like, boy, you know, I, I just think uh, those weren't meant for us. Those were meant for the first disciples. And um, boy, you know, I just, I don't think I like that. And, and I just tried to be real gracious and say, you know, there's a lot of other churches out there that, that would probably agree with you. And, you know, feel free to check them out. But we're real serious about following Jesus here. And we, we take these words very personally because, you know, the thinking that was expressed there was in error. It doesn't agree with the Scriptures or Jesus' teachings. As a matter of fact, Jesus 
I think in His wisdom, His infinite wisdom, He planned ahead for people who might say, hey, this is just for the first disciples. Because what did He say in Matthew 28, 19 and 20? He told His disciples who were right in front of Him, he said, He's talking to them and He said, um, Go! Initiate, pursue, get out there, take it to their turf and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. I gave you the commands, and they're recorded in the Bible, and you teach them to do what I told you. And guess what? You know, he, he phrased it in such a way that that truth and the things that he commanded should be carried out generation after generation after generation. You know what? He even finished the whole thing by saying... And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. He could have said, do this until you die, and you know the rest of the generations can figure it out. But he said, teach them to obey what I taught you until I come back, until the end of time. Men and women, if we had only one reason, it's because Jesus said to do it. How can we not share? So for Christians, you know, I want to leave you thinking about this question. Why do Christians have to share about Jesus? Because of His sacrificial act of love. The planet has seen nothing else like it. Why is another reason? Because He saved. You and I are the ones He saved. He's changed our lives. What's another reason? Because He's really coming back. And everyone will appear before Him. And one of the last reasons we talked about is because Jesus said to. You know, so many people, um, I think about uh, that verse that says, Therefore go and make disciples. You know, a disciple is someone who's given their life. In some ways you might think of someone who's throwing their life away to follow Jesus Christ. I think sometimes people think that verse, Therefore go and make Christians. Go and make Christians who got their ticket punched for heaven, who get offended about every little thing they read in the New Testament, especially strong statements by Jesus. Go make wimpy Christians like that. No, he says go and make disciples who are willing to lay down their lives. Another place Jesus said, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? So many Christians say Jesus is my Lord and Savior and, and they don't do what he, says, what he says, especially when it comes to telling others the good news about him about what He's done, the forgiveness that He offers freely, graciously. It seems like that's the one that most people tend to fight against. How can we as Christians not share? But the last thing I want to leave us with here is this thought of, um, so maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you're just visiting um, from, from campus. We have Schools just got in and we have people showing up from campus or the dorms. I just, I just want you to know that... Um, you might be still trying to figure it out, but the message is still true for you. And it's kind of like someone has come through the valley crying out what's going to happen, that there's a, a flood that's coming. The judgment day of God is coming and racing towards us like a flood, and, and the response is in your court. And to not respond is in itself a response. I read about one of the stories, one of the quotes from the, the big Thompson flood. talked about someone who said they were a longtime resident of the canyon. And they got tired of hearing these false alarms about it's going to flood, it's not. They've seen the river rise and fall. And it said for this time that they didn't want to go up to Estes Park at 11 p.m. at night because of all the false alarms. This could be just another one. 
And there's people that died because they didn't respond to the warnings. And the same will be true when it comes to the return of the Christ. Just because someone doesn't respond to the warning, maybe they don't believe it's really going to happen. Maybe they don't believe in God. Maybe they don't believe in rain. And they didn't think, well, rain is not going to cause a flood. And, you know, it's not going to change the reality of what God has foretold will happen. And, and you need to respond. And really, there's, there's two responses that you can have. There's, people will all fall in two responses. I like this verse here. In the Gospel of John, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you believe in Jesus, and you believe He took your punishment on the cross, you have eternal life. Your sin has been dealt with. But if you do not believe Jesus did that for you, you reject Him as a Savior, guess what? You will account, you will come before the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And you will be found guilty of violating His eternal laws. And you will be punished by the wrath of God for eternity. And really, there's, there's two ways. We will all appear before Jesus as Lord. But the real question has become, and your response will be, you know, determine your eternal destiny. But the real question is, when you appear before Jesus as Lord, will He also be your Savior? Will you have received Him as your Lord and Savior before that point? Because if you've not, the other, the other side of it is to appear before Him having rejected Him. And He will then become, instead of a loving, gracious, forgiving Savior, He will be a righteous, a just, and an eternal judge. And He will render a judgment that has eternal consequences. And it will be, though it will not be an overflow of His love, because you would not have responded to that, it will be an overflow of His righteousness and His justice and His holiness. And it will be very fitting still. But I've got a, got a question for you. Why? Why has the Lord not returned yet? Why has He not come yet? When He comes, it's a done deal. He takes those who are His to heaven for eternity. He, he sends those who have rejected Him to a place that was really designed for the devil. God didn't want people to go there, but when people rebel, that's the same attitude that the devil had towards God. Independent and rebellious, and they will receive the same punishment. But in 2 Peter 3, it tells us why, why he's not returned yet. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It just goes on to say, His patience means salvation. Bear in mind, verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. He's not returned yet, men and women, because when He does, it will be a done deal. We will all appear before the Lord and some before our Lord and Savior and others before the Lord and their righteous and just and eternal judge. And when He does, it's a done deal. You can't change your mind. God has designed that you, we would all be saved by faith. That we believe um, what we have not seen. We didn't get to put our hands in Jesus' side or in His hands. We didn't get to see the empty tomb right after it happened. But by faith we believe that Jesus proved Himself the Lord and Savior there. 
But when he appears, it's no longer going to be by faith. Everyone's going to go, it's real. And it'll be a, a scene full of awe and splendor. But some it'll be awesome, some it'll be awful for eternity. And my hope is that everyone in this room, you know, really all of history was, is divided into, into two, just based on the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Um, but really, uh, all of history leading up to Jesus was, was about Jesus, the prophesied Lord and Savior. And then when He came and He lived a perfect life and He died on the cross and He rose from the grave, He transitioned into Jesus, the proven Lord and Savior. And then the last thing to be figured out before His return is, is Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. And your eternity will be determined by your response to that question. And my hope is just that every one of you would look to Jesus as your Savior. Invite Him into your life as Lord and the one who would save you from all your sins. And that's really our heart at the firehouse. You know, one of the reasons we came to town was just the idea. Um, There was a story that, uh, that I had heard before coming down to Denver. It was about a fireman in town here that in 2000, Actually, it was uh, almost a month ago here in, in the month of August, the year 2000, but a, a fireman, 37 years old, uh, gave his life. There was a, a flood. There was some flooding going on, and a, a lady was stranded, and her car was beginning to float down, and he and another fireman went to rescue her, and along the way, they got her. She was safe. He slipped and got swept away in the flood, and he gave his life trying to rescue this woman. And, and it struck me, you know, I was just struck by the idea that really that's just a glimmer of what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to lay down our lives so that others can be rescued. And it's not that we ourselves rescue them, but it's almost like we hand them a lifeline, a, a safety line that they could be pulled in by Christ. But our job is to lay down our lives trying to rescue people. And then there's a verse, you know, in, the, in Jude, it's one of the firehouse verses, but it just says, save others, snatching them from the fire. And and that's our heart here. And I just hope as Christians you know that um, we have to share about Jesus. And and I hope if you're not a Christian that you know your response is required. And your response will impact your existence and your relationship with God for eternity. And our hope is that you would receive Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank You that You just designed it in life that You would send Your Son to save us. You knew we would turn away and turn our backs on You and sin against You, but You sent Your Son to pay for our sins and really with Your love to to woo our hearts back to You. Lord God, I, I thank You for personally saving me, for dying for my sins, and I thank You for how You've changed my life and given me a mission of how... That how can I not share about you, Lord? And God, I pray everyone in this room, every Christian, would, would also be a disciple who cannot help but share about you. And Lord, I pray for those who might not know you yet, who might be trying to figure out their faith. Lord, help them to have what they need to call out to you and not to delay and not to look for other solutions to be saved, but to look to the Lord Jesus who... You say that salvation can be found in no one else and no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. I pray you'd help people.
to look to you as their Lord and Savior before you return. God, I just pray you'd help us as a church to get the message out, help us to love one another along the way and love you passionately. We just pray these things together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you guys for joining us this morning. And as Jeff mentioned, next week we're just going to start a series talking about some of the plans and the vision God is going to be leading us into this fall. So I encourage you to join us next Sunday as well. So thanks again and God bless you.